right, welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. And today on the show, we're talking about Ruby Gilman Teenage Kraken, a new DreamWorks animation film that's out in theaters right now. And we had a fun time talking about it. Joining me is filmmaker Paul Odgren. And uh, yeah, we get into a lot of really fun puzzle pieces on this one. Uh, some that are a little similar to another movie that came out last year. But uh, we'll get to that when we get to the conversation. Uh, before we get to it, though, I do want to remind you, as always, to make sure you are subscribed to Piecing It Together wherever you listen to podcasts. You can follow us on social media at PiecingPod and join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces, where we continue the conversation about all the movies we talk about here on the show. Also, we do have a Patreon, the Produced by David Rosen Patreon, where I post bonus and advanced content from Piecing It Together, Awesome Movie Year, another movie podcast that I produce, and from my music career. So there's lots of stuff over there. I'm actually about to post a film score that I uh, recently did that I'm going to release as an exclusive on the Patreon. So uh, you'll be able to check that out if you go and subscribe. So check it out. It's patreon.com slash by David Rosen. But of course, I appreciate you just being out there and listening as well. So with all that said, let's get into this conversation about Ruby Gilman Teenage Kraken. All right, we're going to talk Ruby Gilman Teenage Kraken, and joining me today, we've got Paul Odgren. Paul, how's it going? It's going great. How are you? I am good. I am. Uh, I, j- I just saw this this morning, and uh, I'm excited to talk about it. It'll be a fun one. You know, we, we've been getting, it seems like, uh, hit after hit this year with animated films. Like, obviously, Super Mario earlier this year was like a huge, huge, the biggest movie pretty much this year and uh it'll be interesting to see how this one does and uh it'll be interesting to hear how you like the film and we'll get into that in a minute but you know before we get too deep into that movie uh it's your first time on the podcast tell my listeners a little about you oh uh yeah so i'm paul odgren i'm a director filmmaker um writer producer and um have a lot of shorts i've done that have been at festivals recently and um working on some bigger projects too, some feature scripts and TV pilots. Um, I'm based in Massachusetts, actually. Um, mm-hmm. And there's a lot of film production that's been here due to the tax credit. So we've actually had like, like Black Panther 2 was shot right outside my office. And we've got some bigger studio films coming in. But we also have indie filmmakers and um, building a film community here, which I've been doing it since before that, since I was pretty young. Um, but it's nice because it's really opening up the doors a bit to collaborate with some great experienced people on your own projects locally and and not having to bring everyone from New York or LA for certain things. So, sure, um, sure. yeah. So, you know, that's me based here, been making films and doing freelance production and post-production work for many years. And, uh, yeah, just trying to have a good time and work on stuff that, uh, I like to do. Very cool. Well, I definitely want to talk a little more about your films uh, a little later in the conversation, but uh, I do want to ask you when, uh, discussing, you know, what, film we were going to cover here for your guest appearance on piecing it together uh this was your first choice and so i'm just wondering are you a dreamworks animation super fan or are you just a big fan of krakens like what's going on here well i mean i'm, I'm a fan of uh dreamworks for sure and mm-hmm. you know there were there are a lot of popular films that are coming out too that i would have loved to talk about on this sort of summer schedule but um obviously they're popular and i know you'd listed some that other people were talking about so I, I, you know, there were a few of those that I was like, oh, those would be great. Those would be fun. But, you know, uh, some of those were taken. And I was like, you know, let's just do something different, do an animated 
I don't always, I mean, I, I love animated films. Like I love mm-hmm. Pixar movies, DreamWorks movies. Um, and uh, so I just thought, yeah, it'd be fun to just kick off the conversation around that just to, for something different. And, uh, and you know, they're always, they're always fun to watch entertaining and imaginative. So I figured why not? Absolutely. And yeah, DreamWorks animation has been on a, a bit of a roll. I mean, we, we, we've gotten quite a few really good ones and then, you know, they don't all hit, but I mean, most of them have really uh, worked well, both, both critically and commercially. And so, uh, like I said, I, I'm interested to see how this one uh, comes out. It just, you know, just opened today. So, you know, we haven't really gotten the full reaction yet, but um, it's going to definitely be interesting to see. But we will get into, you know, everything that goes on in this film along the way. Uh, let's start getting into some puzzle pieces here. What do you have for your first piece? So um, one of the first things that I uh, definitely thought of, which is not a necessarily, a, a, you know, intended for a young audience, but just the uh, mother-daughter relationship in Lady Bird, mm, um, sure. I thought um, was an inspiration for, um, again, that, that film is obviously not intended for as young of an audience, but it's just a very difficult and complicated relationship, uh, mother-daughter relationship that has a lot of uh, pain, but also a lot of love and sort of, you know, uh, there was definitely a relationship like that in this film, even though it's, I think um, it's less complicated and it's more for a younger audience and all that. Um, and, and, you know, being animated and everything and a family film. Um, but yeah, there was, there was definitely uh, a relationship I saw like between Ruby and her mother, Agatha, uh, who is uh, voiced by, I believe, Tony Collette sure. and, um, and sort of like trying to do the best thing for her daughter and protect her, but also sort of, unintentionally stifling her own growth and becoming who she wants to be and who her her family has been and those types of things. So that was just sort of a parallel that I, that I saw. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and the mom knows like there's no getting around this. Like she's going to make her daughter mad no matter what, but she kind of just has to do this. And uh, yeah, Lady Bird's a great one to include in this. And uh, Lady Bird actually was a puzzle piece for my first puzzle piece, which was, of course, Turning Red from Pixar, which I think you kind of can't even talk about this movie without at least getting Turning Red into the conversation because both films deal with a teenage girl who uh, is learning to deal with her out-of-control emotions that are wrapped up in a somewhat obvious but, uh, you know, uh, apt metaphor of uh, turning into a giant monster whenever she loses control. Uh, In this case, it's a... Uh, Kraken, but in Turning Red, it was a giant red panda. And both films uh, feature, you know, the awkward friend group and, you know, wanting to talk to boys and loving school and being annoyed by your parents. And a lot of the same themes are being explored in both these. It's interesting. Like, I I wonder if they were being developed at the exact same time because, like, they are really so, so similar. Uh, But definitely Lady Bird came up in that conversation. And I think Lady Bird fits here. And uh, are you a fan of Turning Red? Yeah, yeah. So um, I, I definitely like the teenage angst and also the message about your body changing as a teenager, like all the hormones and like trying to fit in at school, trying to fit in with your classmates and sort of the awkwardness there. And then yeah, having this sort of metaphor in, in Ruby Gilman be like, yeah, turning into a giant monster that basically, 
inadvertently destroys the school library because you know it's just huge and yeah. not knowing or understanding or how to control your body i think there's a lot of also like important deeper messages just about how we communicate to kids and to women and just people in our society about the like changes that their body goes through and things that are important to talk about that are sometimes not talked about openly or and it leaves yeah. kids feeling very like just unsure of themselves or like something's wrong with them when you know in reality it's something everyone goes through and in this case it's like she's a kraken so not everyone goes through it at her school but her family does and it's things that her mother and her grandmother understand and like it's in the family um but it it has wasn't talked about with her so she felt like a freak she felt like she didn't fit in and had all these feelings that really you know it's not her fault but it's just the that sort of those teenage feelings when you know we when you are going through those changes and like it's just something that i think has a universal um message even though it's in this sort of fictionalized yeah. uh, fantasy form yeah it is it's absolutely universal and uh i i wonder like i'm trying to think back to like a lot of older animated films were they always so uh you know so fixated on dealing with those kinds of complicated emotions and, and, you know, family situations and just all, all of those kinds of things. It seems to be something that every animated movie kind of tries to deal with nowadays. I mean, uh, I know there's been a lot of uh, jokes online about the panic attacks being in like every one of these animated movies lately, but I mean, I, kids are dealing with a lot of really difficult emotions and it's a horribly difficult time to, I'd imagine, be a kid right now. So, I mean, that's all, again, just very universal themes to uh, deal with in these kinds of movies. And of course, kids are who are mostly going to see these. So that's who they're targeted at. Yeah. And I think in like Gen Z in particular are much more aware of and conscious of like mental health issues. And they mm -hmm. have so many because, you know, being online so much and being on social media and like, having a lot of these conversations happen sort of in another like in this sort of, like yeah just in an online space instead of in person like by actually talking you know to yeah. people there's there's this whole other world that like i think a lot of their awareness of the the effects on them and their awareness of mental health and the importance of mental health to them so like you know the panic attack thing it was funny because i was like this is like such a you're seeing some of i think like the that generation's values like bleed into entertainment and into stories in a way that um i think is it seems truthful to me i mean i'm older so i'm not in that generation but like i have friends who are teachers and work with them a lot and um i have been writing a, a short with a couple of uh gen z uh young actors and so like from my experience i'm like yeah like this feels like it relates to kids and and that they're aware of things that like when i was growing up we never really talked about or sure like had yeah. conversations around and then so in a way i think it's good that they are aware of it and it's healthy but it's also coming like you said at a time where i think it's it's hard to be that age and it's hard to be in that environment um you know just with just just how the world works now for them yeah i can only imagine but uh <laughs> what do you got for another puzzle piece so another one I have, so I have like kind of an obvious one, which is the Little Mermaid, mm -hmm. um, which is, but it's like a reverse Little Mermaid because sure. <laughs> in that, you know, she starts out in the sea and she wants to know what it's like to live on land. And then in this, Ruby Gilman starts out on land, but she really wants to know what it's like to live in the ocean where her family's from. Um, so I thought it was kind of like a, you know, a flip of that uh, classic, you know, 
uh, Disney film. And, um, and there's also a villain that basically makes a deal and tricks her. And it also involves a trident, which, you know, throw back to the ocean and Poseidon, I guess. But, uh, yeah. So that was another one for me. Yeah, no, I like that. And, uh, I, I just got to say, like, just to add into that, Annie Murphy as a voice for that from Schitt's Creek, like that's an inspired bit of casting. I mean, she's kind of perfect. So Uh, perfect. She's so good. Yeah. I didn't know it was her. Actually, I didn't look it up before I went in. I didn't know. I was like, who is that? And then I was like, oh God, of course it's Annie Murphy. She's like so perfect. (laughs) <laughs> absolutely um yeah i will i i will say as i start getting into some more pieces here most of my pieces for this one do tend to be like little things like like little specific moments or specific like things about the film but w- with that said i'm going with south park for another puzzle piece here okay um, all right and my like reason it. my reason here is because canadians look different but everyone just simply accepts it um the gilmans their <laughs> their cover is that they're canadian but they're blue and they're basically monsters in human form um they do not look like normal people and then of course in south park everyone has those floppy heads all the canadians so uh you know. yeah that was that was honestly hilarious that was one of the funniest things where she was like i'm canadian and he's like oh <laughs> makes sense <laughs> yeah makes perfect sense so yeah it's a it's a, a it's a ridiculous way to make them fit in but not really so you know but uh yeah what do, what do you have for another piece uh, another one that I definitely thought of was like Stranger Things and Eleven being a young girl with superpowers that she doesn't oh, fully yeah. understand and struggling with those and sort of in this fourth season, she she loses them for a while and is basically getting bullied by her classmates and has a really hard time fitting in at the new school she's in. And so, yeah, I just thought that that really... Um, was a parallel of just like a great character and a female character with like really powers that don't fit into the normal world at all. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and doesn't have a lot of guidance around how to use them or what to do with them. But ultimately they end up saving her friends, which is also the case in like Ruby Gilman. Um, and, uh, and there's also like a dance at the end of the second season, you know, there's a lot around of stranger things. There's a lot around, going to the dance with Mike. And so this in Ruby Gilman, a big thing was asking uh, Connor to prom. I think his name is Connor, right? Um, asking him so. to, uh, to prom. So that was like a thing that, you know, uh, was a central plot point of the, of the movie that ultimately like resolves. And so, yeah, it just kind of like felt some par- parallels there. Yeah. Asking someone to prom, uh, that is maybe universal beyond like all generations. Like that's never going to stop being scary. So uh, (laughs) that will always fit in. But yeah, no, that's a good one. I hadn't thought of that. Uh, But I will go to another Netflix series for my next puzzle piece. Uh, Wednesday, the Addams Family spinoff. In in Wednesday, you know, kind of centering the the story around, you know, a would-be monster uh in this case uh, a kraken uh wednesday being of course you know a member of the adams family so they're basically like monsters and then the villain being you know the pretty outgoing popular character who turns out to be a mermaid but you know is actually the bad guy even though she's you know all popular and pretty and cool and fun and whatnot and uh so like kind of just twisting that kind of archetype of who the bad guy and who the good guy is in a story like this yeah absolutely yeah i love wednesday and uh actually um Ruby's friends in her friend group, the one that always would say like the dark sort of oh, have sure. a dark comment. Yeah. Like she was catastrophizing. Yes. Um, she actually made me think of Wednesday a ton. Yeah. She reminded me of Wednesday Adams. Absolutely. Just very like sort of morbid comments, <laughs> but funny. Yeah. Yeah. Totally morbid. Super goth. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> 
I like that. What do you got for another one? Uh, you know, on a on a similar note, as far as like uh, villains that you, that you don't expect, I have one. I don't think this was necessarily, or I don't know if this was an inspiration for it, but it reminded me of uh, that show, The Boys, on Prime. Um, in the sense that, like in the in the pilot of that show, you think that Homelander is the hero, and he's kind of like the white male upstanding celebrity that everyone thinks is the good guy and then you find out that he's actually like the worst mm-hmm. and he's like the, the the villain of the whole show um and so just like you said i thought of that with um with like chelsea who's narissa the, the mermaid who at first like she's sort of like the white popular pretty girl that everyone loves and adores um and then it turns out that she's like actually the villain and the monster um and it's like the that sort of archetype that I think in the nineties and the two thousands, like she would have been the protagonist and right. she would have been the hero. And now we're starting to see that flipped around. Um, like even in something like Velma too, we're seeing that, that show on HBO. And, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so I, I, I had a similar feeling about, about that, which, you know, is it's interesting and it's refreshing to see those stories start to be told in a different way i think yeah that's interesting um bringing up so many in a row really that kind of deal with that with uh twisting you know who would traditionally be the good guy and the bad guy and just flipping them around so uh that is interesting that we're seeing a lot of that in a row right now and i mean it's just i guess uh you know people love it so you know yeah yeah i I think it has to do with like different perspectives and diversity and instead of sort of idolizing the you know like white male and female protagonists like have been for a long time i think there is there's just like people are starting to flip that narrative and getting opportunities to do it in mainstream entertainment which you know is like exciting to see in in a way it's it's exciting to see that happen and that we're living in a time where those stories can be flipped around in a new way so you know i'm 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 here for it I, i love it absolutely uh i will go with another Tiny little puzzle piece here. Uh, I'm going with gremlins because if you get wet, you turn into a monster. So, I mean, it's a very simple, uh, you know, plot point, uh, you know, a very simple uh, rule for the character. But if she falls into the water, uh, she starts turning into a giant kraken. And, of course, uh, the mogwais turn into gremlins when they get wet. So Totally. Yep. <laughs> yep. That's a good one. Nice. Nice, quick, easy one there. Uh, do you got another puzzle piece you want to bring up here? Oh, let's see. Yeah, I, I made some notes because I thought of a bunch of them. Uh, awesome. So uh, another one is, I think kind of my last big one is, I was just thinking of um, that show Killing Eve. Okay. Um, that Phoebe Waller-Bridge was like, she created it and was the showrunner on the first season. Um, and it's sort of an unusual, like, again, I don't know if it was really like an inspiration necessarily for this, but just to see like, um, an action series that typically would be like a male role, like James Bond or a, like a born identity type thing mm-hmm. that she, you know, flipped with um, having Sandra Oh and, and Jodie Comer um, basically as, you know, making an action show that features women. And then, you know, Ruby Gilman, it's like all the fighting, all the warriors are women in that movie. So like Ruby and then her mom and her uh, grandmother are like the warriors, the Krakens, the female Krakens are the big, strong ones, and the male ones are like the small ones. And ultimately, the the villain is also a woman. So really, it's like, you know, it's all female uh, action, and it's female relationships, but also the fight scenes at the end, like the yeah. big sort of epic, epic fight scenes over the over the fate of their society. 
it's all um, led by by female characters, which kind of just made me think of again, sort of flipping a traditional archetype over and instead of having it be like a uh, male dominated fight scenes, even the training montage where she, her grandmother's teaching her about like her armor and her laser eyes and all these, like just sort of flipping that around, flipping the gender, which um, again, I think is awesome. You know, I'm here for it. We're living in a time where this is getting done more and more. And I think that's a good thing. Absolutely. And uh, you know, it, it, it's funny. I didn't have this as like a puzzle piece, but I did notice they used the phrase answer the call. And it made me think of the lady ghostbusters movie, um, <laughs> which was the subtitle for that film. So, uh, you know, but uh, nice. yeah, no, it, it is, uh, it is cool to see that. And uh, it is a predominantly like all female movie, like really like all of, you know, the main characters are, uh, women and they all get together and kick ass and the villain's a woman too. And like, it's just, uh, pretty much all women there. So, um, I will go to, I'm going to go to a video game for a puzzle piece here. Uh, I all do right, that every, I like it. every once in a while. I got to throw one in here and I don't know if you're familiar with the Nintendo switch series Splatoon. Um, I'm not. So this is like a, it's like a party game where like everybody like kind of like a first person shooter style party game though, uh, where everybody is like shooting each other with, um, with ink. But the, the main thing though, is that they're all like anthropomorphized squid people and, uh, they all have that attitude and that like, just go, 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 you know, exciting, like Saturday morning cartoon kind of energy to them. And, uh, just all of that mixed with an almost anime kind of style to it. And, uh, of course, being sea creatures that are kind of mixed with humanoid, you know, uh, bodies. And I, I think you get a lot of similar uh, design for, for these characters as you do in the Splatoon series. Cool, cool. Yeah, I had one kind of like that, just an obvious one, like Finding Nemo, mm -hmm. because it's set underwater. And there's a lot of good jokes about, you know, sea creatures. And oh, also the seagulls, the seagulls are featured like, yeah. In uh, you know, the the mine, mine. Uh, the, like yeah. in the they're in Ruby Gilman they don't do that, but they swarm her uncle right. for to try to get his corn dogs. So <laughs> <laughs> she uses it as a as a tactic to escape him so she can get into the ocean. So yeah, that was just kind of a funny parallel of like, you know, finding Nemo set underwater, having the seagulls be like funny characters that like attack in swarms. So that was like a an obvious one that that I thought of too. Nice. Yeah. Well, speaking of obvious ones, uh can we just combine Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest, and Clash of the Titans? Because uh, they basically made Krakens the biggest thing in the sea. So you kind of can't make a movie about Krakens and not expect people to think about those two movies. True, true. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah. I, I don't know. Did you know what a Kraken was before those movies? Um, I knew it because, well, Clash of the Titans, probably seeing that as a kid was when I first heard of the kraken mm -hmm. um so yeah so i guess like so because i definitely knew of it as like the mythological thing yeah. kind of um and i feel like seeing that movie was maybe one of the first times when i was pretty young like seeing that um there's also a, a type of rum called the kraken that mm -hmm. i remember drinking back in the day that has a picture of a giant kraken on the on the label nice um but uh yeah no probably probably that was the first time that I heard of, uh, that I heard of Krakens, I guess. Cause I was pretty young when I saw that. Yeah. So I probably didn't know what a Kraken was or a Gorgon. I don't know if that might've been my first time learning about Gorgons. So. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, that goes right along with it for sure. But, uh, <laughs> do you have any other pieces you wanted to bring up? Those are the big ones. Okay. Those are the big ones I had. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, no, that, that's it for me. Um, 
you know, I I had thought of a couple other things, but they kind of deal with a lot of the same uh, themes there as some of what we've been talking about. So I'm just going to go ahead and read down our list of puzzle pieces, and then we'll get into some closing thoughts here. Uh, but we talked about Lady Bird, Turning Red, The Little Mermaid, South Park, Stranger Things, Wednesday, The Boys and Velma, Gremlins, Killing Eve, Splatoon, Finding Nemo, Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest, and The Clash of the Titans. Um, you know, a lot of twisting monsters and bad guys into good guys. Like, that seems to be kind of the main theme here, I feel like. Yeah, definitely. I like that you worked in a video game reference. I didn't even think of that because I was like thinking about movies and shows. But sure, um, yeah. But yeah, that was that's that was, that was cool too. I should have thought of one. <laughs> I was trying to think that maybe you know, just as like a closing thought here, I was trying to think of a superhero movie where the character just doesn't want any part of it. They they're like do not want to be the superhero. I know that's something we've seen before, and I just couldn't think of like what a good example of that might be. I mean, like Jon Snow is a good example in Game of Thrones. Oh, okay. Like he doesn't want to be, he doesn't want to be the the good leader mm-hmm. that he is, but he is, and he keeps kind of getting forced into it. Sure. Um, I feel like that that is a great trope. I mean, even like uh, like in uh, Edge of Tomorrow, that Tom Cruise movie with time travel, sure. where like he the last thing he wants is to be forced into the situation to fight, you know, fight this fight and learn all this stuff. Um, yeah, it's a fun it's a fun thing when the the hero doesn't want to be the hero. Yeah, you know? yeah, absolutely. You can go Army of Darkness, even. But uh... <laughs> even even like Harry Harry Potter is is like a sure. classic example. You know, like absolutely. Last it's kind of the last thing he wants is to deal with all that, but uh, <laughs> he ultimately gets forced to do it. You know, absolutely because it's a movie and we got to uh, we got to have a hero. So I mean, come on. But, uh, yeah, exactly. Somebody's got to do it. Somebody's got to step up. Definitely. Do you have any uh, any other thoughts on Ruby Gilman that we didn't quite get to while doing puzzle pieces here? No, I think we covered it. That was great. Right on. Absolutely. Well, is there another movie you watched recently you'd like to recommend to our listeners? Uh, I just saw The Blackening. Okay. Um, which was great. And I, ju- I, saw, I finally saw the new Spider-Man mm. um, across the Spider-Verse, which I just absolutely loved. I, I, I liked the first one, but the, I, I really loved the second one. So I definitely recommend those. Absolutely. I saw them both this week. Both, both great recommendations. So uh, yeah, I love both of them. So uh, awesome. Well, Paul, tell us a little more about uh, the film uh, that you've got like right now um, out in the festival runs. Honest Cocktail is the one that you're out with right now. You also just shot another one, right? Yeah. So I Honest Cocktail is in festivals and um, it's a comedy short about two people that uh, basically they're on their first Tinder date and they decide to order a drink that forces them both to tell the truth. Um, so it, and it does not go well, (laughs) 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 but, uh, so it's like a sort of a comedic antics. And, um, so that's a short that's, um, been at festivals in LA, New York and Boston so far. And, um, has been, we've been really happy with the response of, you know, it's, it's a little bit nerve wracking when you make a comedy because like if no one laughs, then, you know, you kind of failed. Sure. But like, the, you know, in the in the screenings we've had so far, like the the audiences have just been laughing so hard throughout the movie that they've been laughing like over lines and missing jokes and stuff, <laughs> which is like honestly a huge relief when you're sitting there with strangers, because that's to me like the real test is when you have like total strangers watching it who aren't just like your friends and family sure. and all that. Yeah. Um, so that's been going great. And then I'm about to shoot two more in a month, uh, two more shorts and uh, I'm working on some scripts for bigger projects and things too. Um, but you know, I love in the meantime, doing shorts is a great way to 
work in a lot of different genres and collaborate with a lot of people and learn a lot of skills that you can bring into bigger feature and TV projects. Um, and so like I'm shooting one on 16 millimeter film, which I've always wanted nice. to do. And I would love to shoot a feature or, or a TV show on film someday. So, you know, I'm trying to learn that process um, now. And uh, yeah, so, you know, busy, busy, but all, all good stuff. Yeah, no, absolutely. That sounds, uh, sounds exciting. And I, I looking forward to seeing that short. It sounds, uh, it sounds really fun. Hopefully, uh, one of the festivals takes you here to Las Vegas at some point. I can, uh, get a chance to see it. Yeah, true. And I, you know, I might be able to share a private link that, uh, you know, cause it's, it's in festivals obviously, so it can't be shared publicly, sure. but I'm happy to, I'm happy to share with, uh, folks who are interested as well. Awesome. Awesome. Well, where can people find you and your work? Um, so you can find me on IMDb, um, my name's Paul Ogren and, um, I produced a feature film called The Lost Footage of Leah Sullivan. It's a found footage horror that's available uh, VOD that you can just um, look up and find on a lot of different platforms. And um, my shorts aren't publicly released. One of them's still in festivals. The other two um, had their festival runs, and I haven't put them out online. Um, so, yeah, that's probably the easiest way to find. And then there's a, uh, we have a Facebook page for Honest Cocktail and also an Instagram. The Instagram handle is just honest cocktail so easy to find um and that's that has updates about festivals it's getting into and awards that it's winning and things like that awesome well i will uh look forward to checking that out and hey hopefully we'll get you back again on the show sometime when you got another project coming out yeah thank you so much uh it's been fun and it's a cool concept for uh for a show it's it's fun to talk about that and, and inspiration and think about other stories and stuff so um thanks so much for having me it's been fun Do you love rom-coms? Do you wish you could talk about Christmas movies year-round? Then we have the perfect podcast for you, Hallmarkies Podcast. Throughout the year, we cover all things romance, holiday, and Hallmark, including recaps of every Hallmark show, like When Calls the Heart and The Way Home. You can also get loads of bonus content covering shows like Bridgerton, Sweet Magnolias, and, and just like that. We are an all-female group of friends who are passionate for these shows and movies and give our honest opinions as well as gush over what we love so much. But that's not all. Every Monday, there are interviews with all your favorite actors, writers, directors, and more. Check out Hallmarkies Podcast on all your podcast providers and on YouTube. That's Hallmarkies Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. All right. So I hope you enjoyed that conversation about Ruby Gilman, Teenage Kraken. Thank you to Paul Odgren for joining me on that one, and thank you to you for listening. Uh, if you're enjoying Piecing It Together, make sure you are subscribed wherever it is that you're listening, and if there happens to be a five-star button you could hit, I would appreciate it if you did that. Maybe even leave us a little review. And, of course, you can follow us on social media at PiecingPod and join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces, where we continue the conversation about all the movies we talk about here on the show. Uh, we got a lot more piecing it together on the way. Uh, lots of episodes in the can right now. Some of them you can find over on that Patreon, the produced by David Rosen Patreon. Some of them will be up whenever they get up, but, uh, lots of movies to cover. So definitely make sure you're subscribed and keep an eye out for all that new stuff that's on the way. Let's close this out with a piece of music like I always do. And, uh, let's see, what should I play on this one? Um, I'm going to play a song from my most recent album, More Content, 
one that kind of feels a little uh, floaty, underwatery, uh, you know, kind of like from down under where Ruby Gilman lives. Why not, right? I, I don't know if it fits, but it might. It's called Secret Places. Hope you enjoy it. We'll be back with more Piecing It Together real soon. West Production, produced by David Rosen in Las Vegas.